You're listening to the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Curtis. And on the show, we do a deep dive with entrepreneurs on all things business, faith, and how to build a lasting legacy. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today to listen to a good friend of mine and family member, really, uh, Carrie Shepard Ray. She is an amazing business coach and sales coach, and she helps entrepreneurs take their their God dream to the next level and land higher ticket clients. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm excited to have you and I'm excited to hear your story and learn more about your journey and how you've gotten to where you are today and all the things that you overcome in that process of being an entrepreneur and all the things that entail. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. And again, I, I just love the the pillars of this, this podcast and really being able to weave in business and faith and legacy and how those all come together and what we as entrepreneurs and visionaries, what we what we overcome and what we go through. Cause I think a lot of that doesn't get talked about. Yeah. And it's important to unveil the reality of what that looks like. Cause it isn't always, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And I think a lot of times in this digital world uh, that personification can come across where everybody thinks it should be easy and you're sipping Mai Tais right. by the beach and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that can be the reality, but it's not the reality a hundred percent of the time. Entrepreneurship is a journey. And sometimes it's not fun and sometimes it's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about your story and um, how you grew up and your journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Great question. I want to add one thing before I jump into my story. I remember one of my first coaches, uh, she said, starting a business, becoming an entrepreneur is the best personal development work you will ever do. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a nice little tagline. Like, cute, cute. And then I, you know, eight years later of owning my own, you know, online coaching business. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it actually has been like hindsight for sure. She was so, so wise in those words. So uh, for any of yeah. your audience, that's just starting out, be ready, be ready for the ride. Cause it's definitely going to, going to yeah. take you there. So uh, growing up, I was raised by a mom who had a PhD in nursing and worked for a big uh, hospital in the Houston area. So that's, you know, you can kind of take that mindset And then a father who was a serial entrepreneur, a huge risk taker, Mm. and um, it was a nice blend, I think, really, but I I definitely leaned more towards the the risk-taking entrepreneur. And so after I graduated college, I actually joined my dad in his business at the time. I always say this dates me, Um, (laughs) uh, but he had a paging business. Um, Wow. So he had a wholesale paging business and I worked with him a little bit in college and then decided ultimately, you know, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I was like, I think he's the best entrepreneur in the world. Why wouldn't I go and work with him? Yeah. And so I had the opportunity to kind of come in, work, work under some really, really talented mentors within the company. Um, I always say, if you've never worked for a Jamaican you have not worked for a hardcore, like wow. a, like smart, driven, hardworking. Um, and, and I had that opportunity straight away. And I'm so, so, so thankful for that. And um, from there, my dad and I started a couple other businesses together. We it all kind of revolved around the telecom, paging, cellular. We did low voltage wiring with some custom homes, um, things like that. And I worked in a variety of roles. Um, obviously starting out in sales and then moving into sales management and then ultimately really serving kind of at the, as his seconds, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, really playing a big part in the sales department. So I did a lot of the, uh, the hiring, the training, the, um, you know, I would go around to our stores, our last company that we had together, we had 12 retail stores in the Houston area. And so It was a lot of fun, definitely ups and downs. I mean, again, you know, the entrepreneurial world and and went going through, you know, some big catastrophes in the world, including 9-11, including, you know, huge hurricanes in Houston, wiping out our stores, um, robberies, you know, things like that. And how do you recover? And when you're leading a team, how do you then make sure that team morale, connection, loyalty, like that was a big piece of what I did. And I think that's 
you know, I always say the two biggest skill sets that I think any entrepreneur needs is sales because nothing happens until something is sold yeah. and communication. And so, you know, those are the things that I've worked, you know, my entire career, but really my entire life, because I think that's both from my mom who was in management and did manage people and was a great and is a great communicator. And my dad, who also, you know, the communication was key, but then also sales. So that's kind of the way that we, you know, that kind of transitioned into the, to the business world, if you will. And then I started getting the itch probably like 2010. I mean, I always had the itch, but I, I started getting the itch. Like I need to be doing something else. Like I want to start something. Yeah. I knew, you know, eventually my dad would retire and we would sell the businesses. And I didn't, that wasn't what I wanted to take over. I knew that wasn't going to be my legacy. I knew that wasn't going to be like what I did. And here's the other thing we had retail stores. So that oh, meant wow. going to the stores, yeah. being in person, not a lot of freedom. Right. I mean, I, I really, I mean, I could go away for like a, a week, a quick trip, something like that. But I couldn't go like off to Colorado for three weeks and work. Like I had to be in the Houston area. And so I knew at that time I was um, newly engaged and I was like, okay, I'm going to start a family. Like I want to have some freedom. Um, I got into network marketing, which then I hired a coach to help me with that business. And ultimately I was like, wait a minute, I want to be a coach. I don't want to be a network marketer. Huh. Yeah. Um, that was kind of my first um glimpse into what an online business could be. And, and so I, I slowly started working at it and I thought, oh, okay, I'll have this big plan and I'll, um, you know, I, I signed up for a coaching certification program and I thought, you know, I'll lay all the foundation and I'll get really good at it and I'll bring on a couple of clients. And then in the next couple of years, like I'll slowly transition into it. God's like, you are so cute. You've got so many <laughs> cute plans, but that's not how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and what happened was a competitor of ours um, actually came to us and said, I'd like to buy your stores and I'd like to do it where I can get them before Black Friday. So Black Friday is, as wow. you know, the biggest day in retail. Yeah. Well, this happened to be 10 days before Black Friday. <laughs> so we wow. were like, okay, well, it was actually, it was an offer we couldn't refuse. So we said, okay. And that left me, you know, obviously I helped transition and, you know, that came into December, but at the beginning of the year, I was like, I guess I'm starting my business. You know, I kind of had to make that choice. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, he had actually asked to, you know, have a conversation with me about potentially working with their company, you know, after we sold. And so I've never put a resume together like I did in college. Right. Yeah. But he asked me, you know, could you put a little resume together, come and have a conversation with me? And I remember sitting in his parking lot before I walked in the door to have this talk with him. And I'm a pretty confident person and can talk to people. But I remember sitting in the car and like my neck got super red. Mm. And my stomach just started turning. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. Like, I hear you. It's time <laughs> for me to make the leap. Like, it's scary, but it's time. And so yeah. that's ultimately what I did. The that next January, I flipped on my website and opened up the doors. And I had signed, like I said, I had signed up for a coaching certification program that also started that January. And we can, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but there's a yeah. slew of things that happened that, that first year. But I mean, it, it all came together. And, and I think, you know, it was a, it's a big story that I believe that God was putting all those pieces in place to set yeah. me up for that. He knew, he knew what was going to happen. He knew where I was going to be. And, um, you know, being in that coaching certification program, I think that first year, because we had four trips that we went on throughout that year. And with everything that was going on in my life at that time, I think that was such a savior to me because I had craved travel and freedom and yeah, it was all lined up for me. It was ready for me. Wow. And I think you were just like in the position to, to receive all of that, that was laid out for you. Yeah. What are some of the things that you think you took away from working with your dad as now a serial entrepreneur, like you said, what are some of the big takeaways that you got from just working with him and alongside of him? Yeah. Oh, you know, I definitely think it's, it's the drive. You know, there's a piece that is, is that unstoppable drive when you know that you want to make something happen, but it's also the reinvention. It's not being stuck in, okay, this is the way we do it. We got to do it this way. So it's the creativity of going, this isn't working. How can we make it work? How can we look at it from all the different angles? How can we be creative? And I think that was one of the things that um, 
you know, in, in retail, right. You, you know, you've got so many opportunities both within the store, outside the store and with the employees, you've got so many, if you will, assets. Um, I always got to see how my dad would look at things, how, again, how he would communicate, how he would incentivize people, right. Knowing, yeah, knowing how to personally incentivize people. So we had regional managers and then we had store managers. And then obviously you've got the employees that are on the mm. front lines doing the selling, working with the employees. And it's like, how do you make sure each person feels seen, feels a part of the team? You know, our company really was very family oriented. Like my dad, my dad would always say, like when he was hiring somebody, I'm not going to hire somebody that I wouldn't go and have a beer with. And it was so yeah. true. It was so true. I mean, yeah. because we did really care about our employees and we would go out to lunch with them or go to happy hour or, you know, have company parties. And to me that nobody was ever a number. Right. Even when my dad got a little bit more re re removed from, you know, we had like 80, 70, 80 employees. He knew all of them. He knew wow. them. You know, he would look at the employee and he could be like, oh, Chris. Yeah. You know, he's got two kids and he's got a wife or Sally. She's this. And I was like, you know, that is so important to me because I know feeling that way and being treated that way was really important to me. But then also being able to treat others like that. I mean, we, you know, if you're working a job, if you're working for somebody else, you're spending more time at your job and with your employees than you do your family. Like you want to be respected and treated yeah. well and to have fun. You know, I think that's the other thing about my dad that it, he enjoyed every single day going to work. Like he loved it. He woke up with a zeal and a zest and an excitement um, for doing what he did. And I think that that's something that's really rubbed off on me is like, if I'm not in, like, Obviously, every day is not going to be that. But if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, something's wrong. Like, how, either how do I fix that, or it's time to find someplace else or some to do something yeah. different. So. so drive, um, knowing your team, and being personable, and caring, and having fun. Yeah. Do you, how do you apply that to what you currently do now? What are some of the practical ways that you feel like you inject that into, into your business? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it is about really focusing on my values. So it's interesting. So I've been in the online space for, like I said, eight years. And as you know, um, I just got married uh, to yeah. my husband in May. So um, I, you know, for a long time was single running a business, like focusing on business, focusing on that. I could work 12, 15 hours a day, I could work, you know, from yeah. morning to night and, you know, um, and, you know, getting, getting remarried and um, Scott has four kids. So I became a bonus mom straight yeah. away of four kids um, from ages 10 to 16. So we've got a huge wide range of amazing children that I want to be around. You know, I prayed to find a godly man and I prayed for the opportunity and the the, the blessing of being a stepmom, because, you know, obviously as I got older, I was like, okay, that's not what God had in store. Mm -hmm. And so I say all that to say that I don't want to work 12 hours a day anymore. Like that's not, that's not who I want to be. Yeah. You know, that's not who I am. You know, family is, you know, one of the most important things to me. And I feel like that's a, um, a calling that has been put upon me that I need to take really seriously that I've got this opportunity to be a role model for these kids. And yeah. so how I do that now is, is saying no to things and it, it, it's setting boundaries, right? It's, it's being in control of what I'm willing to um, allow myself to do. Right. And so yeah. I put my kids and my husband and our family activities in my calendar first, then my business stuff gets to fall into it. Um, so that's number one is just really, it's, it's, I can say all day long, my family's really important. But then if you look at my calendar and you go, well, Carrie, you're working from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. You never pick the kids up for school. You never take them to soccer. You know, last night I got to go with my um, daughter to her school for like a, this book reading night. We dressed up in pajamas wow. and had fun. You know, we take our son to soccer. We go see our plays that our two older girls are in. Like that to me, if you don't see that in my calendar, it's not a priority. Um, the other thing is who I'm surrounding myself with. So whether that be who I'm working with, um, my, my employees, my contractors, my clients, my community, like I want to make sure I'm surrounding myself with people that I enjoy being around, right? Going back to, you know, would I go and have a beer with them? I mean, so many people yeah. are virtual these days, but 
you know, do I actually enjoy them? Do I actually care about them? Do they actually care about me? And, and again, whatever, whatever part of the circle we each play for each other, again, whether it's client or consultant or coach or employee and, and those roles can switch. Um, I found that throughout the time too, is that a, a client can become a, you know, a friend can become a client, a client can become a friend. Um, you can start, you know, i yeah, I've turned different relationships have, have ebbed and flowed over the years. Yeah. So I think that's that's really important. Um, yeah, and reevaluating. I think it, that's the other thing is that reinvention piece, right? Is, is what I'm doing, is that really what is lighting me up? Or is there something I need to be adding? Um, I had taken a hiatus. Um, I had had a con- contract with somebody for about three years where I was working full time um, for, for that company. And I was doing sales and, and some coaching, but it was in mostly group, a little bit of private, uh, but nothing on my own. And, um, I've had a little sabbatical, which has been really, really nice, um, for the last three months. And, you know, I just got this hit and I was like, Oh, it's time. Like, it's time for me to, to get back out. And so I've started taking a couple of clients on and it was just, I did it because I was missing it. And I did it because it sounded fun. Right. And yeah. I think that's the thing too, is what's the motivator? It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. Like I need to make, you know, X amount of dollars or I need to make this happen. It was like, that sounds fun. That sounds like that would be enjoyable. I want to work with a couple of people, um, serve, you know, be able to serve, be able to yeah. connect with people. So I think it's just kind of that, that reevaluation stage, um, you know, doing that along the way and making sure and, and knowing like, hey, what you're doing right now may not be what you're doing next year or even next month. And giving yourself that freedom and flexibility to be able to shift and to to maneuver when when is necessary. That it sounds like <clears throat> you've had a lot of transition seasons, and I think as entrepreneurs we all go through this. I know Melissa and I have gone through a few transition seasons when it comes to our businesses and things that we want to do. What is your way of being obedient to the transition and? In in a faith in a faith standpoint, hearing God calling you to sabbatical, hearing God, you know, say, "Hey, go this way, go that way." How do you, in a in a faithful way, be obedient? And has you have you ever encountered a transition season where you just really did not want to transition? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, and oh, I don't ever do it perfectly. <laughs> that's for sure, um, because I am. I know. <laughs> Hello. Um, because I am somebody that likes to be busy and I like to be productive and I I enjoy, you know, working and I love what I do and I love connecting with people. And, um, so when I left this past company, um, it was, you know, not my choice and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of sprung upon me. And so I didn't have a game plan in place. It was some, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to what happened when we sold our businesses. Right. Yeah. And so I did actually immediately get into action and I took a contract with somebody and um, I absolutely respect this this person. Like we have such a great connection. I really, really adore her. But I got into um, that business and just realized, honestly, it wasn't aligned with my faith. Mm. And, um, you know, Scott and I had a big conversation about it is do I just, you know, let her know that I no longer, you know, it's no longer a fit and I want to move on? Or am I honest about what's not a good fit. Mm. And ultimately I chose to actually just be honest and let her know like, Hey, this part of the business just doesn't align with my faith and I can't be a part of it. And she was so respectful of that. It was like, yes, you're right. If that isn't alignment, that's a huge part of what we do. And this isn't a good fit. And we left in really good terms. And, and it showed me that I, I moved too fast. You know, I, I, I did it out of, um, probably scarcity yeah. of like, Oh, I got to move on to the next thing. I can't just be sitting still. Like we got, you know, I have a, a you know, I have a family and I have a house and I have a mortgage yeah. and like, ah, you know, I kind of got into that piece where then when I left that company, um, I was like, okay, let me just take a breath here. Like what, what made me make that choice? And then also what did I like? What didn't I like about my previous contract that I don't want to repeat? So it was kind of like God, you know, I always say like, God will sometimes just tap on you or whisper in your ear. And if you don't listen, it, it becomes louder and stronger. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, I got it. That was a good little lesson. It was short, nothing bad happened. And so I just took that opportunity to, to be, you know, I think that's what a lot of times God just wants us to be with him. 
Mm. You know, in, in everything I always want, I want clear communication, right? I want God yeah. to be like, send me an email, <laughs> send me a message. Like, yeah. what do you want? I always say, I will do whatever God wants me to do. I just have to hear it. And even when I was, um, you know, when I knew it was time and I was ready, like I, I knew God was calling me to, to, to find my husband. I just kept saying like, can't you just Amazon prime him to my front door? Like <laughs> two day delivery, right? Tell me what you want and I'll do it, you know? But I think yeah. that's the same way when I'm in that transition or, you know, expected or not expected. My go-to is make a to-do list, check it off, go get busy, make conversations, like get out there. And I did that at first, but that wasn't, that wasn't right. And so I just kind of slowed down and took a breath and allowed the space and allowed the right conversations. And obviously, I mean, as time has progressed, I mean, I've obviously, you know, reached out, but I've, I had more clarity about what I wanted. I had more yeah. clarity about what is going to be the perfect next situation and who is the perfect person. Perfect is probably not the right word, but the ideal, yeah. the good relationship, somebody that I can see um, a long-term relationship with, because that's, you know, for me, I, I am a long-term relationship type of person, right? I want to, I want to step into something. I want to grow it. I want to build a legacy. I want to build, you know, both internally and outwardly facing. So both from a team perspective, building a really amazing, solid team that, you know, replicates what we used to do, enjoys it. And as a family business, um, yeah. and then also from an outward perspective, you know, having amazing results with clients, you know, really creating transformation, um, having an, a, a brand that's respected and, and looked, looked highly on like that to me is an ideal situation. So how do I create that also with, with the, you know, keeping my values and what's important to me with family and, you know, travel. And, you know, for me, I, blocking out my calendar when I want to be involved in things. So long answer is slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's the piece that is very difficult for me. It's very, very difficult. And uh, that's looked like just spending time in prayer, taking naps, going out for walks, spending time with the family and the right people, opportunity, things they connect. And um, this has happened more than more than a handful of times in my career where I get like, then I do start to get antsy. I start to get frustrated. I start to think, okay, I got to make this happen. I'm going to go back out there and drive. And I just go and take a nap. And I know that sounds so simple. I know it sounds yeah. so simple. Um, I remember years ago in my coaching business, I knew I was wanting to create a new program and I couldn't think of the name of it. And I was trying to write the sales page and it was just like banging my fingers and just like, you know, just ripping yeah. my hair out. And I, it was a Saturday and I said, I'm just going to go take a nap. Like I'm just going to step away for a minute and take a nap. And I woke up from that nap and I wrote the entire sales page, came up with the name, everything on my iPhone. Like I just sat in bed and did the whole thing because it just flowed. Like it was like, okay, here it is. I can brain dump it now. So I think that's the thing. Sometimes we're like, okay, I got to be at the desk. I got to force it. I got to put the hours in. And it's like yeah. sometimes just go take a walk or take a nap or go do something that's fun, right? Go, I don't know, paint or, you know, go skydiving or some, something that's going to bring you joy and the answers will come. Yeah. So the key to getting things done is to take a nap. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I like that key. Naps I mean, are great. You know, I love naps. I, it's so funny as a kid, you hate naps, right? You're like, yeah. I never, I remember that. I remember that. And then I don't know. I think it was probably college. I hit college. I was like, oh, naps are amazing. Like I love naps. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I read somewhere or heard somewhere that the perfect time is like 20 minutes. Like a 20 mm. minute nap is just like the perfect reset. I could be wrong, but that's that's what I remember. And yeah. I know some entrepreneurs um, that I follow their their schedule actually they schedule in their naps. And um, you know I'm a firm believer for sure. Yeah, I had a mentor that he used to um, he would like in the middle of the day or whatever he would go and drink a cup of coffee, take a 20 minute nap, and then by the time his nap was done, his coffee kicked in and he would go back to work. I was like, that's pretty smart. I'll drink coffee, but the the idea of it sounded good <laughs> yeah that's interesting i might have to try that try implementing that into um into my schedule there you go what are some of the um the instances where you've you know you mentioned scarcity having a scarcity you know mentality in that in that transition phase 
how did you transition over into what I would consider like a kingdom mindset in fighting off um, that scarcity? That's a powerful question. Um, I think it's when we realize we're going to be taken care of and it's, it's getting out of the how, right. It's, I think whenever we set these goals and we say, okay, I got, if I just made this amount of money, I I would be good. I would be good. I would be good. I would be good. Mm -hmm. It's like, what if God wants, God wants so much more for us, right? He, he, you know, he wants us to have everything, right? He, he, there's no limit with him. And I think when we put the limit on him or we put the way in which it has to come, you know, that's the thing. I remember um, I was struggling in my business when I was first getting started and I was single at the time. So, I mean, uh, you know, paying rent and car and, and everything. And I had just, you know, kind of come to my knees and I was like, okay, what, show me what this is supposed to look like. Like whether it's, I'm supposed to charge more, or I'm supposed to do a group program, or I'm supposed to go and sell my golf gloves, like whatever that might be. And I got a, and I, I got a, a call from my aunt and my godmother and she had decided instead of waiting until they passed to give kind of what would be inheritance, um, they were going to give it now when they were living. Wow. And it was the, it was such a, such a wonderful gift at the exact right moment because it was, it was, it allowed me to take a breath. And to refocus and not be so focused on the money. And it was, it was such a key to me, like understanding and recognizing that I don't have to worry about that. Like, yes, I've got to do the work, right? I've got to, I've got to show up. I've got to be in action. I'm not going to just always say, it's like, you're not going to sit in the corner and rub crystals together and meditate. And you're going to build (laughs) an amazing business. Like God wants us to be putting our skills and talents, but it doesn't always come the way that we, that we think it's going to come. And this was a, a mentor of mine a couple of years ago. Um, I had been in this program and I was, I was leveling up my, my packages and my pricing and the way I was working with clients. And it just wasn't like, it wasn't going the way that I wanted it to be going. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible, but it just, there was like, it was clunky. You know yeah. what I mean? It just felt clunky. And um, he ended up coming around to me and saying, I'm going to work for a new company and they're looking for a CMO. So a chief marketing officer. And I really would love for you to interview for it. I really love you to have that conversation. I think it could be really good for you. I was like, I'm not looking for a job. Like I'm an entrepreneur. You know, what are you, what are you talking about? And I had to humble myself a little bit, you know, and think like, okay, what, what could this look like? What, what mm. would be the benefit? Right. So I had a conversation with him and I got excited. Like it, it's kind of that like follow, follow the happiness, right? It was like, yeah. okay, why am I excited about this? And it was because it was a team again, right? Mm. So I had, I had spent, you know, at that time, I guess I'd been five years or so on my own. I mean, I had, I would have like a virtual assistant or a copywriter, or web but you know, it was contractors and this was a larger company. And ultimately it wasn't the right fit. Um, I'm more of a sales girl than a marketing girl. Mm. Um, so it wasn't the right fit, but it clicked something on in me that said, what if, what if I was able to find the right team and I was able to get into a position. And so I'd been working yeah. Um, I had been doing some contract work with a company, um, doing some sales for, for her and a little bit of sales coaching. And I just said, well, why not? Why not ask? And so called her up and I said, hey, this is what happened. You know, this is actually what I'm looking for. I think it would be really fun to come in and be like a client director where I could be, you know, work in the sales department and do some fulfillment and help a company to really scale up. And I remember that day she started laughing and I was like, uh oh, that's not good. <laughs> and uh, it ultimately it was good because she said, "Oh my gosh, I was just having a conversation with her EA that morning, where um, she was saying the only way that I'm going to be able to scale is if I can find, a, you know, if I can duplicate myself." And she's like, "I couldn't think of somebody better." Wow. And I think if I had stayed in scarcity mindset, you know, if I had stayed in like, you know, this small mindedness, that opportunity never would have. It never would have it didn't present itself. I went after it. Right. I mean, I created it. I looked for it. Um, and I think that's where we have to be open to possibilities and opportunities 
when they come our way, because I, you know, it's like that old saying where somebody's drowning, right? They're on a lifeboat and they're drowning and a, a boat comes by and they say, no, 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 I'm waiting for God. And a helicopter comes by and a, this comes by and a, this comes by. And God's like, and they, they, you know, ultimately like, why didn't you try to save me, God? Why didn't you help me? And he's like, I sent all these people to help you. Why didn't you say yes? You know, if we're looking for it to just look one way, you know, the way that he might want to save you is to get on that, that, that boat. And so that's the thing for me is like, I don't need it to look any way. I can, I, my ego, I, I try to keep her in check, you yeah. know, that it doesn't, doesn't have to be me. And I, uh, I remember a friend of mine a couple of years ago asking me, like, is it more important for you to be the name of the business? Like it for, for it to be your face and you out there doing everything or is the impact of what you're doing more important? And I was like, oh, impact. So me, by me aligning with somebody who was a huge visionary, had huge goals, she was a brilliant marketer, um, I could make a bigger impact by joining forces with her. And, and I, that is, I feel like that's what I've really um, come to find out over the last couple of years is that I really, really like being a part of something big. You know, I like being part of something that's going big and being big and yeah. there's a team involved and there's interaction and I'm not a solo show. Like it doesn't need to be the Carrie show. Like I, I don't need the glory here. It, it, I'm good. Like if I can focus on the impact, I can focus on other people. I can focus on that. That's my, that's my driver. Wow. Man, that's a, there's a lot to, to digest in all of that. You mentioned you're you're more of a sales girl um, and not marketing. Give us a kind of like a defining line of what's the difference in those two things because I'm I, I love the idea of marketing. For me, sales scares me because I don't consider myself a salesperson, mm-hmm. but I operate. In our business, I operate more of that. I'm talking to our client, to potential clients, and I'm pitching and and, but I've never really seen myself as a salesperson. And I like the marketing ideas. I like the to see marketing. I like to see really good marketing. Uh, when I walk into stores, I look at the advertisements and I look at how they're positioning their words and what they're saying and how. And like I watched, I walked by an ad the other day. Uh, for a tax service and it was like you don't have to go home alone and I was really confused because like well I'm not taking a tax person home with me so I was really trying to figure out like how they were positioning what they're like what they were saying and and why but anyway that's that's a that's another thing but uh (laughs) I still haven't figured it out yet um so yeah I was really confused but tell us a little bit about one how you figured that out like what that process was for you figuring out okay I'm not marketing and more sales and then the def- like the defining line between those two, how do they, how do they separate themselves, but also kind of like, how do they, how do they operate together? Yeah. And I think that's the key right there because I, for so long, it was like, oh, marketing and sales, like they fight, they work against each other. You know, marketing wants to take, you know, responsibility for the productivity, the revenue, et cetera. And obviously sales wants to do that. But I think in an ideal company, marketing and sales work hand in hand because the reality is you can have amazing marketing but if you have nobody to sell the product you have nobody to convert the product it's just great marketing and sales to me i i think about marketing honestly as as the pre-sales process okay so what can we do to create a relationship with somebody to get i mean you probably would call it like brand awareness and how do they how do they find you but to me it's connection and relationship how do I build that connection and relationship with somebody? And, you know, when live video first came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Cause I had started my business and I, I don't like to write, like, I'm not a writer. I don't like, I never wanted to have a blog. Um, and so my coach had said, well, why don't you just start a video blog? I was like, what is that? Okay. So I <laughs> just started talking and that's how I grew. You know, I grew my business was doing a weekly video, but when live video came around, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the moneymaker because you actually could connect and you could talk and it was a two-way kind of communication. And honestly, Joshua, that is the only marketing that I did for so long in my business. 
So it was easy for me because it was me showing up. It was me connecting. It was me yeah. having a relationship and then making an invitation for somebody to have a conversation with me. And my philosophy with sales is it has to feel like the next natural step. Mm. So how do I set up my marketing that it feels natural for somebody to want to go, I want to talk to you. I want to know more. I want to know what you're doing rather than me going, oh, I've got this program and it's opening up and it's blah, blah, blah amount of money. And here's what's in it. And not that I never mentioned that or I never talked about it, but to me, it was so much more natural to be like, hey, if, if what I'm saying is resonating, if you like what you like the sound of this, or you want support, like, let's have a conversation. And then weaving that into having a conversation with somebody. And then to me with sales, it's all about diving into what somebody wants. And a lot of times people don't get at, they, you know, we might say, Oh, how are you doing today, Joshua? You know, like what, what's going on? You know, this like passing, like hello, or this passing kind of yeah. thing. But Unfortunately, a lot of people don't really feel heard or seen. And so when you can create that space where somebody can show up and you actually want to hear what they're saying, right? You actually ask questions that make them think about what they want and how they want it. And if it's the right fit, you're able to reflect that back to them and show them something even bigger, right? Show them an even bigger vision that they may never have thought about. So you're able to actually amplify that vision. And then you just make an invitation for that next piece. Like, hey, I'm on, like, again, this is that having that, that integrity piece, right? It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so on board with what you're doing. And I can see it even being like this. And I want to be on that train with you. I want to help you to make that happen. Do you, do you want my help? Do you want my support? Like, to me, that feels like the next natural step. And, you know, again, going back to the marketing and the sales piece, um, the marketing piece is super important, right? That messaging is really important because if you don't know how you're positioned in the marketplace, um, I mean, with what you guys do, branding, right? That's another way of communicating, having an amazing website that speaks to your ideal client, that shares yeah. your, you, you know, your philosophy and your vision and your personality and your passion. And that's, I'm not a, I'm not a brander. I'm not, a, I'm not, but I can hire really smart people to do that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where it's so important that everybody sits in their zone of genius. Mm. And then we work with those that are gifted and talented. And then together, you know, we make the impact. And I, yeah, so trying to do it on my own, it just doesn't make sense because that's also not what I enjoy doing. Right. I, like you're saying, you know, I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy the connection. I enjoy you know, making the invitation. Yeah. But if you don't have that, we'll call it marketing, but in my world, I call it the pre-sales process, yeah. right? the marketing process, the better that is, the better your, your client, your prospective client, your person that's sitting in front of you already knows you, which is where in my former company, we were using, you know, PR and, you know, getting on podcasts, getting interviewed, getting on stages, getting your message out there, um, writing a book, you know, if you can get your message out there and somebody can digest that before they have a conversation with you, the next natural step is going to be easy. So sales is more of an invitation. Absolutely. That's interesting. I like the way, I like the way that sounds. That's, that sounds so much more um, uh, palatable. Um, how have you seen companies transition and grow and scale massively by maybe um, shifting their sales process? And have you been a part of that process of helping a, a business scale by shifting how they sell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it is about, so it's twofold, right? It, it is about the invitation piece, right? But I think there's also this piece where, you know, if I have a certain kind of product or service or coaching package, if I'm just trying to get everybody in it, that's not an invitation. That's just like, it's hurting cattle, right? Oh, okay. Everybody yeah. can come. Everybody's invited. Everybody's accepted. Well, that doesn't fit. Then if I have a conversation with you and I'm like, oh, you're invited, you can come into it, but you're like, well, everybody gets an invitation. That doesn't feel very authentic. But when you're really sitting in that authenticity where you really, truly only are inviting the right people, and it's not about, 
you know, this is a big shift. I think that's, that's happening in, in the world today is, is getting away from so many of the KPIs, right? So looking at how, okay, you got to be at a 40% closing rate, or you got to, you know, you got, we've got to have this many people in the program or whatever the case may be, because here's the thing. If I talk to 10 people, if my KPI is 40%, well, then I'm going to find four people to get into that program. Hmm. But if my KPI is only the people that are right for the program get in, wow. maybe that's one or two. But then I can truly say it's invitational based. Um, so I think that's really important. And you know, I've seen a company where they've they've had that stance, like it's invitation. We only want the best of the best. But then it's like, oh, but we need fifty percent closing ratio. Well, how do those two things align? Mm. And um, there was a time where they brought a, an, an, a like an outside sales team in, which they were great closers. They were great salespeople. I'm putting that in quotes. I know this is mm. a podcast. Great closers. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, they made invitations to people that weren't right for the program. They weren't ready for it, but because they were so good at sales, they got them in. Mm. Well, that affects everybody. That affects the people in the program. That affects the coaches. That affects the team. That affects mm. the morale. Yeah. But we did it just to make a number. We did it so our closing ratio was right. And so then it's about shifting back into what is what is the container? Like, what are we really making a stand for? And how do we want our sales process to feel? How do we want it to look? What are the pieces that we can put in place so that maybe we do still have great you know, conversion rates, but maybe we, we do a little bit more pre-screening before we get on the phone with somebody. And, and, and it, I think it's too, it's about you know, having to say to somebody, hey, you're not quite ready and this isn't the best next step for you, but here's something. Go download this, go watch this podcast, go you know, maybe go work with this coach first and then come back to us. I can't tell you the loyalty that brings when you're just honest with people. And I think that's the difference in, you know, I always say like, I may not be the sales rep that's going to get you an 80% conversion rate, but I promise you, I will always be honest. I'm never yeah. going to sell something that I don't truly feel is the right, is the best thing for somebody. So I think that's the shift. It's, it's this human, like you're actually a human. You're actually like, and I think that's what also was really unique for me is that I was on the sales side and the delivery side. Hmm. So if I sold somebody, I was also then going to be helping and supporting them. And that like, to me, I don't want to get somebody that was not the right fit or not the right person. Cause that was going to be a struggle, you know, through the whole container, if you will. Are there some qualifying questions that you like to use to find that right customer, that ideal customer and I know this can vary depending on like what product you're selling, but do you have kind of like this, this like guide of these are some of the questions I'm going to ask to make sure that this is the right fit for you? Yeah. To me, it's typically, a, it, it revolves around vision. It all revolves around wow. vision and in the, the call. So it's about making that connection with somebody and then it's asking them what they want. And it's not just mm. asking it once, right? It's not like, oh, what do you want, Joshua? And you're like, well, I want security. I want to take care of my family. I want to buy a house, like yeah. whatever. It's like, okay, what do you want beyond that? It's like really digging in and having that curiosity. Um, I remember I was on a sales call with a, with a guy and he actually was a sales trainer. So hmm. that's, a, that was, that's always a fun place to be. <laughs> and he literally stopped the, the call and he was like, you ask the best questions. And he's like, you actually listen. He's like, so many sales reps, they ask the question, but then they're thinking of the next question. They're mm. on to the next question. Because the thing about it is in a sales conversation, you really shouldn't be talking that much. It's not me that's doing the talking. It's the other person. Yeah. And so if you have a genuine curiosity, they should be doing the talking. You just ask those really potent questions, you know, and, and one leads to the next, you know, you can ask like, what is it you want? And then somebody says something, well, what does that look like? Or why do you want that? Or what is, you know, tell me more about that. You know, I think it's that leaning in, right? It's the leaning in, like, tell me more. I want to know mm. more. Um, again, I remember being in a sales call and I had asked this woman like all these questions and she really opened up, like really, you know, you could just tell when somebody really lets the guard down and really tells them. And so um, the thing about being in a sales call is to make somebody feel heard right because you could be hearing I'm, I'm somebody that always takes notes when i'm on a call yeah but the reflection back will always be the key 
So if she tells me like, oh, you know, I want to buy a house in France and I want to have a blue Mercedes and I want to be able to go to the beach three times a day. Like she tells me all these details. When I reflect that back and I say like, Sally, I really hear that you want to have this house in France and you want to have a blue Mercedes and you want to be able to go to the beach three times a day. Then somebody feels hurt. Mm. And it's actually happened more than once, but I, I remember this specific call. She stopped the call and she was like, how did you know all that about me? I was like, wow. She just told me all that, but people are so used to people not listening that when you actually show somebody you're listening and that you care and that you understand them, you understand what they want, but you actually see something even bigger for them. And you can explain that back to them. Like the sale is made. Yeah. The sale is made. So it's not that complicated. You know, I think, like, well, again, you can't see, but I mean, I read, I love sales books. I love leadership books. I'm always reading, listening to audible books. I'll, I'll never stop. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think people try to overcomplicate things, right? Like you can go and spend yeah. so much money on sales training. I mean, I'm a sales coach and I'm saying this, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that complicated. I think people overcomplicate it. They're looking for this perfect script, this perfect injection handling, like, how do you say it the right way? How do you use like NLP to master somebody's mind to get them to say <laughs> yes? Like I, that's none of me. Like I'm never going to be doing that. I'm, I don't believe in scripts. You know, I don't believe in that garbage because it's it takes away the humanness of the sales process. And I think that's where salespeople, you know, get a bad rap. So. Yeah, so do you think that 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 part of your process of really just hearing and caring and is that I mean I would think that it's natural but you think that's a natural trait that you you've carried over into your sales career or is that something that you've learned through trial and error through your career I'd say it's probably a little bit of both you know I think I've always been somebody with a really high amount of curiosity and question asking and People always said I should be a reporter or a lawyer when I was growing up. (laughs) Um, So I think there is a natural curiosity, but then I think it's also about when you are, you are in connected to your purpose of what you're here to do. Yeah. So that's, that's not a learned thing, right? That's something that you, that you get, right? You get connected to why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I love the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. You know, that's, it's a great book about, to me, that is the purpose. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I think so many people get disconnected from that. Yeah. And they get into the how and they get into the, I got to make a sale or I got to build my bank account rather than just being like, you know, connected to the conversation, being in the moment, being where your feet are at rather than thinking about all the other pieces. So I do Um, think that's a learned piece of, of, um, we're so distracted. We can be so easily distracted. Yeah. Uh, and for me, you know, it's like I close everything out. I make sure my desk is tidy. Like I have to do some work to make sure I'm focused or there are practical things that you can do to really be, be in the moment and to have that curiosity. Um, but I do believe it is that connection to your purpose and to your why. Yeah. You mentioned about tidying up your desk and I was thinking about this last night actually. And that I just, naturally throughout my life, I just assumed that I could operate a certain way with how things are positioned physically in my, in my general vicinity, like especially here in my office. And I've learned in the past few years that it has to be tidy for me to be able to think clearly. And it's a very interesting, like it's very interesting to me that how a space can actually impact your mental space. And this is really just a side note of understanding how my brain works. And I assume yours is probably the same way in a a way about how your mental, like your, your physical space is, is a, um, um, a key into how you operate, you know, inside your head. And, um, is that something, and this is literally just off topic of what we're talking about, but it does work into how someone can actually basically 
become more efficient in how they operate in their business. Is that something that you've known for a long time or something that you figured out, you know, through trial and error of just like, okay, my space has to be clear yeah. for me to yeah. be clear. It's interesting. And I, I go back to being in junior high and I was struggling in school and my parents signed me up for Sylvan Learning Center. And I went to Sylvan Learning Center to, to become a better test taker, okay. right? Because I would just, I'd get bored. I would speed through the tests. I wouldn't take my time. Like, it wasn't like I wasn't smart. I just didn't take the time. Mm. And I remember they, they um, introduced me to a day planner, right? They introduced me to like, keeping a calendar and keeping to-do lists. And they gave me a list of things that I needed at my desk. Like I, you know, I, I brought this list home to my parents and we had to go buy a stapler and like paper clips and, you know, and I, my parents bought me like a nice desk. And it was the first opportunity I had to like have this like adult space that I yeah. really took pride in. Like I was so excited about this, like crisp, clean white desk. And it really was true. It was like, I finally had my own space and I really kept it immaculate and it made my brain work better. Mm. And I, that's the way I've been since then, like in high school and even in college, like even in my dorm room, I, like my desk had to be tidy. And there's a process that I even go through to, I mean, I did it today for this podcast. Like I tidy up my desk. I make sure I have a nice, you know, cold glass of water. I turn off my phone. I put it aside. Like I make yeah. sure there's no, like there's a process in which you go through, but it's also, it like trains your brain to, to be able to focus. Cause there is so much distraction out there. So, yeah. um, I don't know if everybody works that way. I mean, I can't imagine like having less distraction wouldn't be helpful. Um, I think some yeah. people it's, like it kind of drives me crazy if things aren't tidy. Maybe that's not everybody, but I think there is a piece, um, you know, of that tidiness that helps to to kind of keep you organized and focused and present in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm something that I'm learning, and um, I I feel like I should have learned this a long time ago, but I'm learning it now and I'm implementing it as much as I can. So you mentioned uh, Simon. You say, who is it? Simon's the Simon Senate. Yeah, I didn't know how to say his last name. Um, I, I actually ran into him one time in a coffee shop in Austin. Um, I didn't know who he was at the time. Melissa did. Uh, and she kind of freaked out. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. But anyway, we had a conversation. Uh, I think it had something to do with my dog or some something. It was interesting. Um, you mentioned his book. What are some other, some of like your top three books that you would recommend to someone who who's wanting to scale up their selling, um, get better at connecting with their, their clients and that you've, that you've used it basically impact how you operate within the sales career. Yeah. They're typically not sales books, um, because it's okay. such a, it's such an internal thing to be good at sales, right? Because it's you, right. Yeah. It, it, and especially, you know, for me, especially when I moved from selling a tangible product, so selling telecommunications or alarms or um, things like that to selling myself, there was a huge transition that happened. Mm. Um, so it's typically, um, it actually start with why is one that I always recommend. Um, the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks is probably my number one that I recommend. Um, because that also integrates how do you bring in not just how am I good at one thing, but how am I good at everything? Like, how do I make sure I'm thriving in my career, in my family, in my health, in my spirituality? Like, because I don't want to just be, re I don't want to just be a really good businesswoman. Yeah. I also want to be a really good wife, a really good mom, a really good friend, a really good community community member. Um, so to me, the big leap is, is incredible. And then the war of art is probably the other one that I would mm. recommend. And again, they, typically are more they're less tactile like there's plenty of sales books out there that you could read yeah. there's trainings obviously you can hire coaches things like that but to me the stronger you are in your mental state your spiritual state the better you're going to be because that's going to translate into your sales because i know mm. when i've had any kind of personal things they affect my sales they just do and so yeah. the better that i can be 
and grounding myself and being stronger in what I'm doing, the better, yeah, the better that I can show up. Um, so I would say focus on those type of books rather than like trying to find the best, hottest sales book out there. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, building a high ticket offer for your business and specifically because, you know, we, we recently met and talked about our high ticket offer. What would you say are some of the core foundations for somebody, like whether they're, um, you know, a consultant or they're a marketer or like even a business that wants to build out a high ticket offer? What are some of the core foundations that they need to have in place to get that to the, to the market and present it to the right people? Yeah, that's a great question. Key, key, key of that is you have to actually be really good at what you do. Yeah. You have to actually be an expert. And I think that's the piece that um, if you're not, I mean, I always say like, you're probably never going to be the best mindset coach, right? Like they're like, you got Tony Robbins out there. Like you're just not going to be, but can you be the best mindset coach for dads who are Christian and are 40? Yeah. yeah. Like you could totally be the best that. So I think it's number one, establishing what you're the expert at and in what kind of category, right? Because mm -hmm. we're not looking, you're not looking to work with 7 billion people if you're looking for high ticket, right? You're looking for just a handful of people that you want to work with. So it's really identifying who do I want to be working with? Like, who do I want to be playing with? I'm going to work with like five clients at a time or whatever the number is. Yeah. Who do I want them to be? And that again, gets into that mindset of really picking and choosing the clients that you want to work with. So I think that's key number one is you actually have to be the expert and be really confident about, you know, it's ideal that you would have, have worked with clients. You've got case studies, testimonials. Um, you've got people that are going to be singing your praises because then you're not having to do all the singing, right? Yeah. You can, you, you've got that embedded. So I would say that's key number one. Um, then you want to look at what does that look like? You know, okay, if I'm going to make this high ticket offer, what no holds bar, like, you know, take everything off. And if like, I can work with somebody for a million dollars, right? A million dollars, budget's not a concern. Mm. What would I do? Because I think that's where people start to think small. And they're like, oh, well, it's got to be a three-month coaching package. And we meet every week for 90 minutes. They have mm. Voxer access and email support. It's like, no. What if you could take them on, like we had a client that was in South Africa and he was taking them to like this beautiful luxury resort and then taking them, you know, out into the jungle and then taking him on a, on a winery, like experiences. Wow. And then they got to be in person with somebody and they weren't meeting every single week. He's working with clients that are working at the top of their game. They don't have time for a weekly call, Yeah. but can, can you take them away from what they're doing and give them an experience? So I think that's the thing is like, take away the limitations and just think big, like you know, maybe it's travel, maybe it's experiences, maybe it's, you know, again, maybe it's not just you, maybe it's bringing in, you know, somebody else to also be a part of the experience. You know, this is where having that Rolodex of people that you can turn to, that what is what can really make a high ticket offer even more top notch. So those would be my first couple of key points that I would look at. Well, so why is why is building a high ticket offer important for, you know, say a business like ours, a business, a small to medium sized business that's wanting to scale? What, what do you, what have you seen that it creates for that business that's beneficial? Yeah, I think it, it allows the, the, the CEO, right? It allows the business owner to be able to be super generous, like to be able to do the best of the best, to be able to go deep with somebody, to be able to give their all to them. Because if you're working with hundreds of clients or even a hundred clients or even 20 or 30 clients, yeah. you can't give your all to each one of those, those individuals. But if you're only working with five people to create, like for you guys, you know, it's like you can really go deep with somebody. You can do video, you can do creative marketing, you can do the branding, you can do the stylization. Like you can go really deep with somebody and give them a, full, full transformation and experience, not only is that great for you, right? Because then you're just working with a handful of clients. Like say your, your goal is to make a half a million dollars. Well, okay. You could do that by selling 
five, like, you know, how many group program, right? Or you could sell $500,000 offers. And you could just work with five amazing individuals and blow up their business and their brand and give them that support and do in-person photo shoots. And that's going to light you up because you're able to like serve in your highest level. You're able to, you know, you're able to actually be there with somebody and they're going to get this amazing, like, you know, white glove service. They're going to totally be taken care of and the results are going to be, you're going to going to justify and have the results of that, that time and attention. Wow. That's so good. Are you currently offering any kind of sales trainings, any courses? I am just starting to work with just a, a handful of clients um, individually is what I'm doing right now. Is just working with a couple private clients. And what's your process of finding those clients for you? So I definitely walk my talk and it's about <laughs> yeah. um, handpicking. So, you know, it's, it's looking at, you know, who do I know and whose businesses do I you know, that get me excited that I like what they're doing. And then it's about reaching out and having a conversation with them. And with no, you know, with no end goal, but just to have that conversation of where they're at, what they're doing. And if I see a place, like there's somebody that I'm talking to and she's in a huge scale up mode. Um, she's got, she's got a beautiful brand. She did the photography. She's got her packages in place. And now she's in this place where she's starting to scale and build a team and um, needs help with that. And I'm really excited for what she's doing. So I reached out, got that information. I'm like, we need to talk. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if she ends up being a client. But to me, if I'm excited about what you're doing, if I'm excited about the direction you're going, and I feel like I can you know, bring something to the table to support you in that, those are the kind of clients that I'm looking to work with right now. Awesome. What are some of the things that you want to have accomplished this year? Great question. Um, Put you on the hot seat. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that um, Scott and I have really been talking about is diversification. So it's something that I know and have known and actually have done in the past. Um, But this year, that's something that I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm, um, you know, doing a little bit of the private coaching, like I said. Uh, I'm getting ready to sign a, a, a contract with a new company, which I can't, can't reveal yet, but uh, I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be an incredible opportunity and, you know, excited to talk about that further. Um, But one of the big goals that uh, we have is to do some diversification, whether that looks like, um, you know, buying some smaller businesses here locally or potentially doing some luxury rental properties. Um, So just kind of getting my hands at, you know, in multiple projects rather than just being so singularly focused. Um, and of course there's multiple reasons behind that, but I think it's also the enjoyment and the excitement. And I mean, like you and your, you know, Melissa work together. I think that's going to be really fun to be able to start a company and work with, work with Scott, um, and really to be able to build, you know, build that together. Yeah. So I would say that's, that's a big goal of mine. So I have two questions for you. Uh, one, how can someone find you online and potentially work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, follow me there. And I mean, absolutely feel free to reach out to me, whether you have a question or want to just connect and have a conversation. That would be amazing. And what's your uh, Instagram handle? Yep. It's, I think it's Carrie dash Shepard. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm Carrie Shepard Ray on okay. both of both of the platforms. All right. Perfect. So, yeah. Last question for you. What is legacy and what is, how, how is it important to you and how you live your life? Yeah. I think legacy to me, it just comes back to generosity. So it's Mm. how am I making a difference today rather than thinking about even, I think my aunt is such a good example of legacy, right? She didn't wait till she passed to be able to be generous and to share her wealth and to share that connection. I think that's such a good um, example of that. To me, that's, that's legacy. I mean, now, um, you know, having, having kiddos, um, my legacy, you know, is, is, is them, you know, is showing them what's possible, possible, showing them, um, they don't have to, I mean, they can, but they don't have to, to do the traditional thing and they can think mm. outside the box. Um, but it's also in, in everyday life, you know, it's with my friends, my friends are like my family. I'm, I'm an only child. So I would say my friends are like my sisters and brothers, yeah. but you know, is the difference that I can make for somebody, even on a daily basis, whether that's sharing, 
you know, something that I appreciate about somebody or, you know, being there when somebody needs to talk, um, that availability is really important to me. Um, I want to leave a legacy of, of one of generosity and caring and making a difference and making an impact, right? And what that can look like. Yeah. I mean, that can look great on a global perspective of giving and donating to charities. And, you know, I've done um, missionary work and things like that. And that's definitely a part of my legacy. But I think some people can think really grandiose on a legacy. Like, I want to have a building named after me. I want to donate a million dollars to X, Y, and Z charity. Yeah. But then we forget about the legacy in our four walls or in our family. Mm. You know, I kind of talk about our community, whether that be, you know, um, you know, our friends, our family, our local community. So to me, it is, it is making sure that I'm leaving that legacy in my four walls. And then that, that overflow gets to spread out from there. Wow. That's so good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know we have <clears throat> a lot of notes and we learned a lot and I just really appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate what you've done for Melissa and I, and um, just so excited to kind of see where you're headed next. And I just really, uh, really am grateful for you just being on the episode today. So thank you so much, Gary. Thank you. This was really fun. I enjoyed our conversation. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share with a friend and be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming app. You can find us at 414creative.com and on Instagram at 414creativestudios. Thank you for being here. It was an honor to spend this time with you. I hope you were inspired. Now go out and create your legacy.